0: MSW Media.
1: beans, beans. Hello.
0: And welcome to the Daily Beans for Friday, December 23rd, 2022. Today, more transcripts drop from the January 6th committee as we await the final report. Doug Ducey has been forced to take down his shipping container border wall in Arizona by the Department of Justice. New York Attorney General Tish James is investigating the candidacy of George Santos. And the Senate has passed the $1.7 trillion omnibus bill. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg.
2: Oh, hi, Dana. Hello. Hi. Last show. Last show of 2022. Is that right? It is.
0: We are exiting 2022, the year of investigations, and we are entering 2023, the year of accountability. Oh, let's hope. Let's hope. And uh, yeah. And uh, I mean, it's got to be right. I mean, if not, we're just we're so lost. Um, But uh, you know what? It's been a, a really incredible week of news. Uh, And today I'm going to get to talk to New York Representative Richie Torres, um, congressman there from uh, New York 15. Uh, We will be off next week. Uh, I will be posting audio updates for patrons as needed. If you're not a patron and you want to be one, now's the time. You get all that free stuff. Uh, This is cool. Chuck Rosenberg is going to be on this Sunday's episode of Jack which is the podcast with me and Andy McCabe as we break down the special counsel investigation. Uh, There will be a patron happy hour for the beans listeners today at 4 p.m. Pacific time. That's Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific seven Eastern. There will be a weekly wrap up bonus for beans patrons uh, this week. There will not be a cleanup bonus, a cleanup on aisle 45 bonus and cleanup on aisle 45 as well as the beans are dark next week. Basically, if you don't get an episode, it's because we're on vacation. So (laughs) just think of it that way. Uh, We are still waiting for the January 6th committee report, Uh, but we got transcripts today. While I was at the gym, they decided to drop two bombshell uh, transcripts from Cassidy Hutchinson. And then later in the day, we got transcripts from Ayers, that guy who testified that was a 1-6 rider, Sarah Matthews, Ken Kuklowski. Who said? By the way, in his transcript, I do not recall about 135 times, but he's been cooperating with the Department of Justice since May. So whatever. Oh,
2: suddenly he might recall. Okay, yeah, he'll definitely. It's amazing when your memory <laughs> kicks in when you've got you know
0: jail time in front of you, yeah, with Jack Smith, the Hague guy, is looking right in your face. Uh, Chris Krebs also had a transcript released today, and Mark Esper. We'll have a lot more on these transcripts and the report in the new year, including, Dana, I got an interview with Ari Melber,
2: nice. who has
0: penned the intro to the report in book form. So you're going to want wow. to pick up that book and we'll be talking to Ari Melber about that in the new year. Uh, all right. The Senate has passed the $1.7 trillion omnibus bill that would fund the government through most of next year. Bipartisan vote, 68 to 29, and it teed up the measure for debate in the House. Uh, they should be passing that any time now. This is, uh, b- well, maybe tomorrow on Friday, but I think they want to get it wrapped up tonight on Thursday. And uh, I will speak with Rep. Richie Torres about that later in the show, about what's included in the Omnibus Spending Package. So looking forward to that. We have a lot of news to get to. It's a big show today, so let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right, so, wow. This morning, again, I was at the gym. I can't... I. I shouldn't go to the gym, right? But I go to the gym. Uh, and during my time there, I'm only there for an hour, we got two transcripts of Cassidy Hutchinson's, the one she gave in September after she kicked Passantino to the curb, who was, who was you know, intimidating her as a witness. And um, this is from Alex Seitzwald at NBC. Alex writes, Cassidy Hutchinson sped out of Washington in the wee hours of the morning while Googling Watergate on her phone, frantically looking for some kind of guidance on how to be a whistleblower. <laughs> Until that moment, the former Donald Trump White House aide, who would go on to be one of the star witnesses in the House committee investigation into the January 6th insurrection, had remained, quote unquote, loyal and, quote unquote, in the family. As Trump World Insiders kept reminding her, according to transcripts of her testimony released Thursday, she didn't even know who was paying her own lawyer. But he made it clear, that's Pasantino, that her job was to protect the president. And he kept dangling job opportunities and promising that she would be, quote unquote, taken care of if she did her part. That's what she ultimately told the committee in these transcripts. But the night before she fled for her parents' house in New Jersey, Hutchinson said she had a mental breakdown as the moral crisis she had been grappling with came to a head, pushing her to make a decision that would change the course of the investigation into the attack on the Capitol. Hutchinson's blockbuster testimony this summer became a key pillar of the January 6th committee's investigation, but new, never-before-seen transcripts of her interviews with investigators released Thursday offer a fresh portrait of a young, desperate woman torn between her conscience and some of the most powerful men in America. I'll tell you what, she persisted. She said, I was scared. That's what she told investigators last September. I almost felt like, at this point, Donald Trump was looking over my shoulder. The transcripts, which came ahead of the release of the committee's final report, offer an intimate look at the pressure Hutchinson says she felt from Trump world to stay in line. Unemployed and unable to afford a lawyer at the outset of the committee's investigation, Hutchinson begged her strange biological father for money on his doorstep one night, but he refused. Asking for his help, she said, was one of her only regrets. Her aunt and uncle, whom she described as QAnon believers, Oof were more sympathetic and even looked into refinancing their home to help her, but that didn't work out either. Mm -hmm. So she reluctantly accepted when Trump's insiders reached out to tell her not to worry, and they would set her up with an attorney at no charge to her. Quote, I'm completely indebted to these people. They will ruin my life, Mom, if I do anything they don't want me to do. That's what she said she told her mother at one point. She was fully aware that the help came with strings attached. Quote, it was like this battle inside my head where like 80 percent of me constantly felt like this is bad. This is bad. This is bad. I need to get out of this situation. But then there was 20 percent of me where I was thinking, you know, like, Cass, you're overthinking this. Maybe they really do want to take care of you and they're trying to make this easy on you. Like, don't be too cynical about this. Her, her Trump allied lawyer, Passantino, counseled her to say as little as possible, quote, we just want to focus on protecting the president. We all know you're loyal. Let's just get you in and out. That's what he told her, according to the transcripts. On days when she was scheduled to be deposed, he would dangle job prospects. Quote, we're going to get you a really good job in Trump world. You don't need to apply to other places. We're going to get you taken care of. We want to keep you in the family. The family. And here's another quote from Cassidy. I want to make this clear to you. Stefan never told me to lie. That's what she told the committee. He specifically told me, I don't want you to perjure yourself, but I don't recall isn't perjury. They don't know what you can and can't recall. Sorry, Cassidy, but that's telling you to lie. At first, Hutchinson did her part as instructed during two depositions earlier in the year. She felt like uh, she had lied. She felt bad, but she tried to forget about it. I just kind of compartmentalized any guilt that I had and was just like, let me just move on. That's what she testified to. But in April, the dam holding back her guilt burst. She was sitting in her Washington apartment and read a legal document that cited her testimony, which was replete with obfuscations, dodges, and I cannot recall statements. And she broke down. She said she didn't know how much about Watergate at the time, or she didn't know much about Watergate at the time. But Wikipedia quickly educated her about the Nixon White House whistleblowers like former counsel John Dean and Alex Butterfield, the aide who helped install and then publicly reveal nixon's taping system quote it looked like he had a similar role and title to what i had in the white house so i'm driving sort of trying to read about him she said she quickly ordered two copies of butterfield's book co-authored by bob woodward and had them shipped to her parents house where she devoured them i read it once then i read it again underlined it And then I read it a third time, and I went through and tabbed it, she said. He talked about a lot of the same things I felt like I was experiencing, but had ended up doing the right thing. This is incredible. And it was after I read this, I was like, if I'm going to pass the mirror test for the rest of my life, I need to try to fix some of this, she said. It's it's just amazing. It's hard to
2: believe she's a Republican at all if she falls on that side.
0: (laughs) Uh, She back-channeled information to investigators to ensure they would ask her back for a third deposition. And when she met with him again, she was more forthcoming. Her Trump world lawyer, Passantino, was not happy, she said, and began frantically calling his colleagues to do damage control. Passantino, who was deputy White House counsel under Trump, defended himself in a statement and said the January 6th committee never asked for his side of the story. He said he is taking a leave of absence from the law firm where he is a partner, Michael Best, uh, which he said was not involved in Hutchinson's defense because he doesn't (laughs) want to be a distraction. (laughs) Yeah, dude, they fucking kicked you out. You got a target letter when you, I 100%, I bet you we got a target letter from the DOJ and the law firm's like, we can't have a lawyer who got a target letter from the DOJ. Piss off.
2: We're like, we don't know him. He just brought us coffee once. (laughs) He's just a
0: secretary. Quote, as with all my clients during my 30 years of practice, I represented her honorably, ethically and fully. I'm not even going to read his bullshit statement. Such bullshit. Yeah, just blah blah blah. Meh, meh, meh. Okay. Eventually Hutchinson would get a new independent pro bono lawyer and break entirely from Trump World, revealing everything she knew, including about the incident where Trump allegedly put his hands on a Secret Service agent's neck, demanding to be taken to the Capitol on January sixth. Quote, I'm about to be fucking nuked, she said to a committee staffer as she left that third meeting. I'm really sorry, the staffer replied. And then Hutchinson turned and
2: walked out. I mean, there was rumor now that he tried to strangle a secret service agent, and then in the in the headline they put with both hands. Well, no shit, he had to use both hands with his <laughs> tiny little chubby <laughs> sausage fingers. There's zero chance he was going to be able to strangle person with one. That's hand. why he's still alive. Is the yeah. tiny sausage hands? Oh, bless his heart. All right, and more from Hutchinson's testimony. This is from Kyle Cheney at Politico. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy told then White House aide Cassidy Hutchinson in the days before January 6th that Donald Trump had privately acknowledged losing the 2020 election, and that's according to a newly disclosed interview that we've been talking about up till now. Now, in September 14th interview, her fifth As a witness for the select committee, Hutchinson described frequent calls with McCarthy in the run-up to the attack on the Capitol and said that he told her he was afraid then White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows had not adequately prepared Trump to accept defeat. this is a quote, what's Mark thinking? Hutchinson recalled McCarthy telling her about Meadows in a conversation that took place sometime between January 2nd and January 5th. He's giving the president bad advice, she said. Now, Hutchinson said McCarthy had told her Trump would repeatedly acknowledge his loss in private, but then almost immediately change his mind and say it was possible for him to remain in office. This is a quote. I can only imagine that's coming from Mark. This is from McCarthy. And this is per Hutchinson's testimony. Now, the select panel's release of two Hutchinson-interviewed transcripts for mid-September interviews came as it prepared to publish its final report in full. That's expected later Thursday. Hopefully, by the time we hear this, it might have actually dropped. In addition to the candor from McCarthy about Trump, who has endorsed the California Republican in next year's House Speaker race, but has not received McCarthy's similarly unequivocal endorsement in his (laughs) 2020 presidential bid, Hutchinson's interview also shed light on alleged pressure from her Trump-aligned former attorney to conceal key evidence from select panel's investigators. We spoke about this just now. Now, the bulk of Hutchinson's lengthy September 14th interview focused on her strained search for a lawyer as she recognized the select committee was pursuing her testimony. And uh, she told this committee that her first lawyer, as we said, Stefan Passantino repeatedly pressured her to claim she couldn't recall things. We've already talked all about that. And Passantino said she told her to provide as little detail as possible to the select committee and simultaneously spoke with her about job opportunities, which she viewed as veiled efforts to buy her loyalty. In particular, though, he told her not to disclose her recollections of a conversation with then White House Deputy Chief Chief of Staff Tony Ornato about an incident between Trump and his Secret Service detail. And that's what we were talking about with the the Beast trying to grab the steering wheel.
0: Or the SUV, yeah. I'm
2: sorry, the SUV, thank you, or trying to choke him out, one of the two. Now, before deciding to cooperate with the select panel's probe, Hutchinson switched attorneys. She's now represented, as we said, pro bono by former DOJ official Jody Hunt. Now, Passantino's legal fees had been paid by a Trump-allied group, and this is what the committee disclosed to us. Now, when Pasentino first called Hutchinson about her legal representation, he refused to tell her who was funding his services. And that's what she told investigators. Yeah. Yeah. And some other standout
0: moments include learning that the phone call Hutchinson received, remember when someone said, called her up and said, look, Redacted says you're on our team and you'll be loyal and you'll do the right thing and all that stuff. We learned that that Phone call came from Ben Williamson. So beans come true. That's who I thought it was. Was Ben Williamson? I was right. Woo! About a weird, totally <laughs> random thing. Nice um, work. And the redacted name he was referring to in the in the phone call was Mark Meadows. Mark Meadows says you, he knows you're loyal and you'll do the right thing and you're part of the team. Um, and that was what uh, Ben Williamson called and told her. Something else we learned: John Ratcliffe told Cassidy Hutchinson he heard Trump acknowledge several times that he lost. The election. So it's not just Kevin McCarthy and, of course, you know, Bill Barr and everything everybody else we know about who's told him you're dumb and we, you lost. But it was also John Ratcliffe, apparently, who, who heard several times Trump say he lost. Uh, OK, up next, Arizona has to take down their makeshift wall made of shipping containers at the Mexico border to settle the lawsuit. And a political tussle with the U.S. government. Let's, let's be fair. A political tussle? No. Fucking Merrick Garland sued his ass and now he has to take down his dumb fucking toy wall. <laughs> the Biden administration and Republican governor entered into an agreement that Arizona will cease installing the containers... Uh, On the Coronado National Forest, the only national forest along the border, according to documents filed Wednesday. So this isn't really an agreement. This is this isn't like the DOJ and Doug Ducey coming to an agreement and compromise here. No, the DOJ said we're fucking suing you. And Ducey's like, all right, I'll stop putting it up and I'll start taking it down. The agreement calls for Arizona to remove the containers that were already installed in the remote San Rafael Valley in southeastern Cochise County and in the Yuma area, where the U.S. Bureau of Reclamation has an easement on the Cocopa Indian Tribes Reservation. All of this has to be done by January 4th without damaging <laughs> any national re- natural resources. State agencies will have to consult with the U.S. Forest Service representatives. Mm-mm, so you got babysitters, too, to watch you take down your dumb fucking wall. Ducey has long maintained that the shipping containers were a temporary fixture. Even before the lawsuit, he wanted the federal government to say when it would fill any remaining gaps in the permanent border wall, as it announced it would a year ago. Quote, for more than a year, the federal government has been touting their effort to resume construction of a permanent border barrier. Not really. Finally, after the situation on our border has turned into a full-blown crisis, it hasn't, they've decided to act. That's Doug Ducey's spokesman. Better late than never. The resolution comes two weeks before Democrat Katie Hobbs, who opposes the construction, takes over as governor. The federal government filed a lawsuit last week against Ducey's administration on behalf of the Bureau of Reclamation and the Department
2: of Agriculture and the Forest Service, and they won without having to go to court. (laughs) Thank you so much, A.G. All right, this last story. I mean, we know the GOP lies, but holy shit. Uh, The New York Attorney General's office said it is looking into a number of issues surrounding Congressman-elect George Santos, who was the subject of a bombshell New York Times investigation that questions whether the incoming Republican lawmaker fabricated much of his biography, like all of it, including his education, work history, financial dealings. Okay, and also apparently Judaism at some point. Now, the the office, however, did not confirm whether it had opened an official investigation into Santos and declined to comment further on the matter. A lawyer for Santos, Joe Joe Murray, told NBC News in an email Thursday afternoon that he had, quote, not been contacted by anyone from the New York Attorney General's office. He said, I have nothing further to add to this. Well, shortly after Murray's email, Santos shared a message on Twitter addressing his (laughs) district's constituents. And this is a quote to the people of New York 3. I have my story to tell, and it will be told next week. I want to assure everyone that I will address your questions and that I remain committed to deliver the results I campaigned on, public safety, inflation, education, and more. Now, in Monday's investigative report, which cited public documents and court filings, the New York Times said it was unable to substantiate many of the qualifications Santos cited on the campaign trail and his office campaign website as well. Now, according to the campaign site, Santos graduated from Baruch College with a bachelor's degree in economics and finance, but the Times said Baruch officials could not find any record of his attendance. Also, the college told New York uh, NBC New York that a search of academic records could neither confirm his attendance— nor his completion of graduation requirements. Now, additionally, Santos has claimed to be a, quote, seasoned Wall Street financier and investor. But representatives from Goldman Sachs and Citigroup, where Santos claimed to have worked, told the Times they had no record of his employment. Now, the Times also called into question Santos' real estate profile and a claim that he had founded an animal Rescue charity that saved over twenty five hundred cats and dogs, nope. Santos made political history in November when he won new york's third district uh, congressional district which covers part of Long Island and Queens becoming the first openly lgbtq non incumbent republican elected to Congress. The contest also marked the first time two openly gay congressional candidates had gone head to head in a general election and at this point I hope he's lying about being gay because I don't want him on our team at all so hopefully. oh wait till wait till you read the next paragraph oh here we go okay according to court records obtained by the daily beat santos appeared to be the subject of a previously unacknowledged September 2019 divorce With a woman in Queens County. (laughs) Now, listen, gay men marry women all the time. It happens. Sure. But looks a little sketchy. The divorce, which Santos has not discussed publicly, adds new uncertainty to his already shaky biographical and political claims. He said, I am openly gay. Have never had an issue with my sexual identity in the past decade. And I can tell you and assure you, I will always be an advocate for the LGBTQ folks. That's what he told USA Today in October. Maybe he means he's openly bi or openly pan. If he's never had a,
0: you know, an issue with his, uh, with that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And in October, responding to criticism about his support of Florida's so-called don't say gay bill signed into law this year by Governor Ron DeSantis. So he supported that shit. Now, the man who introduced the Don't Say Gay legislation, we've already talked about this, Joseph Harding, has been arrested for wire fraud and money laundering and has resigned from the Florida State Legislature. Uh, And the latest thing Santos had lied about? Well, having grandparents who fled the Holocaust. The forward, that's from the forward. That's what they reported. Santos claims his grandparents fled Europe during World War II, but records show that they were born in Brazil well before the war this guy is a fucking grifter like through and through
0: yeah so he's gay he's grandparents fled the holocaust he went to college and graduated from college. like every single thing about him is 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 a lie unbelievable so new york literally General... unbelievable <laughs> <laughs> yes he is uh so and, and it makes you wonder who else out there in republican land is completely falsified. But New York Attorney General is looking into it. um, And I like Tish James. So (laughs) we'll be right back with Congressman Richie Torres. Everybody stay with us. Hey,
2: everybody,
0: welcome back with me today is a fighter from the Bronx who has spent his entire life working for that community because he calls that community his home. And like many in the South Bronx, poverty and struggle have never been abstractions to him. And at 25, just 25 years old, he became New York City's youngest elected official and the first openly LGBTQ plus person elected in the Bronx. He's a member of the Financial Services Committee. He serves as the vice chair of the Homeland Security Committee. Please welcome New York 15th's finest, Congressman Richie Torres. Congressman, it is an honor to speak with you today.
1: It it is an honor to be here, and uh, I'm about to, I'm going to turn 35, so I'm reminded that I've been in office for about 10 years, so I feel like an elder statesman, age (laughs) 35.
0: Yeah, I think after 10 years, regardless of how old you are, you could probably be considered an elder statesman. But uh, thank you so much for being here. And thank you for representing your constituents so strongly and so proudly uh, from the South Bronx. And and I wanted to ask you today, first of all, because, you know, you and I go back and forth on Twitter a little bit. We talk a lot. And, uh, you know, I like to share your tweets and what you're doing. And one of the, the most amazing moments to me was when you got to preside yeah. over the passage of the uh, Protect Marriage Act. Can you talk a little bit about what that experience was like for you?
1: Well, look, I, I spent most of my life in poverty, growing up on the projects, um, mostly in the closet uh, for fear of violence and bullying. Uh, and so I never thought that not only would I come out of the closet, but I would become the first openly LGBTQ Afro Latino member of Congress. Uh, And then I would have the honor of presiding over the debate for the Respect for Marriage Act. For me, there's nothing more powerful than to affirm your own equality on the floor of the House of Representatives. Uh, And as I was presiding over the debate, I had to suffer through uh, Republican speeches, including the crocodile tears from one of my colleagues. It was gratifying when I was able to cut them off and say, your time has expired, which I meant in more ways than one. Uh, because their time has expired. The Republican Party or the Republicans who came out in opposition to marriage equality are relics of the past, and the future belongs to love.
0: Yes, Aunt Vicky, uh, I yeah.
1: believe. Vicky uh, Hertzler, who... yeah. <laughs> who actually <laughs> right? has a gay nephew.
0: Yes, who I'm scheduled right. to speak with at the beginning of the, of the new year. I put out a great TikTok video about what his aunt did on the floor, and that, I uh, yield my time, that, that whole... Um, presentation, uh, was, uh, I, you know what? I don't even have the words to explain it. Yeah. Just, just bigoted and old fashioned. And like you said, your time has expired and and that has so many meanings um, as we sit now, and, and I know that there's more work that you want to do. This bill uh, is amazing. And, you know, it protects marriages across state lines from, you know, if you if you are married in a state that uh, if Obergefell Falls uh, allows uh, for gay marriage and interracial marriage, that if you go into a state that decides to ban it. Uh, that your marriage is protected, but I, there's more work, right? And I know that you're you're focused on that too and the future uh, uh, of of protecting that in the face of what this Supreme Court could
1: do. Nope, no question about it. You know, no one is claiming that the Respect for Marriage Act is mission accomplished, but it is monumental on its own merits. First, we're doing for the right to marriage what we should have done for the right to an abortion. We're enshrining it in federal law in order to protect it from the fanatical judicial activism of the Supreme Court, right? The far right, particularly Samuel Alito and and Clarence Thomas. Clarence Thomas announced that he's on a crusade to overturn all the substantive due process cases. So Burgefell versus Hodges, which protects the right to marriage, Lawrence versus Texas, which protects the right to privacy, Griswold versus Connecticut, which protects, uh, I'm sorry, the other protects the right to intimacy, this protects the right to privacy. Uh, And our view is that instead of waiting passively and allowing all those rights to be stripped away, we have to be proactive in adding a new layer of federal protection for constitutional rights. We can no longer trust the Supreme Court to protect our constitutional rights. Uh, The Respect for Marriage Act was significant in two senses. First, it repeals uh, the Defense of Marriage Act, which to me should be called the degradation of Marriage Act. And it's one of the most discriminatory laws that Congress has ever enacted. So it's permanently repealed. It's gone forever. And second, it federally recognizes both same-sex marriages and interracial marriages. And keep in mind, there are more than 1,000 laws providing rights, benefits, and privileges to married couples. And under the Respect for Marriage Act, same-sex couples would have equal entitlement to those rights and privileges. So is it perfect? No. But does it represent a bona fide breakthrough for LGBTQ equality? Without question.
0: Yeah, hundred percent, absolute breakthrough and a very necessary step. Uh, you know, I'm reminded of uh, passing the first gun legislation in in decades, and, and of course, nothing is we perfect. We have to work toward that more perfect union and our and our totally diversified constitutional republic and democracy. But it is such a huge step. Just ten years ago, there were people on both sides of the aisle that uh, were not on board with this. So it yeah. is is truly a breakthrough, and and we're we're very thankful. Um, For your work on that. I also want to talk to you about uh, uh, something else that you're working very hard on, which is is housing for all. Uh, Very important. And, you know, I'm thinking right now about everybody uh, who is suffering because of this huge winter storm um, and, and where they can go and where they can be. And and you work really hard uh, coming from, you know, where you come from and from your experience on expanded access to safe and affordable housing. Can you talk a little bit about what you're doing in that lane?
1: The myth about America is that if you work hard and you play by the rules, then you will have access to a decent and dignified life. And what we have seen increasingly is not only the working poor, also the working homeless. You know, New York City, half of the household heads in the New York City municipal shelter system are working people. So there are people who are playing by the rules, who are working their heart out, who are raising families, but who are nonetheless languishing because, in the words of Jimmy McMillan, the rent is too damn high. Um, and during COVID, we saw essential workers earning minimum wage, putting their lives at risk, in during the peak of the pandemic so that the rest of the city can safely shelter in place. And it is a scandal that our country has become dangerously unaffordable to the essential workforce on whom we all depend. You know, according to the National Low Income Housing Coalition, out of 3,000 counties, there's not a single county, not one, where an essential worker earning minimum wage could afford a two-bedroom apartment. And there were only seven counties out of 3,000 where such a worker earning minimum wage could afford a one-foot bedroom apartment, uh, And so our city is becoming unaffordable, not only to the most vulnerable, but also to the most essential among us. Uh, I believe that housing is a human right. And the best policy that would operationalize housing as a human right is a concept known as housing vouchers for all. So I introduced legislation known as the Ending the Homelessness Act, which would codify housing vouchers for all. So every family struggling with housing insecurity or homelessness would have access to a housing voucher, which ensures that you pay no more than 30% of your income toward your rent. Uh, Housing vouchers for all would radically reduce homelessness and housing insecurity in America. So we're the wealthiest country in the world. We have the tools to confront the root causes of the affordability crisis. What is lacking is the political will.
0: Yeah, agreed. Um, and it—that's just—I mean—it's a brilliant idea all, all around. Uh, and you know, I worked as working at the, with the Department of Veterans Affairs with veteran homelessness, yep. and and it's—it's it's just such a crisis. And uh, I'm so glad that you're you're bringing forth that legislation, working to solve these actual problems, like w- practically where, like, practically in practicality where the rubber meets the road. Um, I, now let's talk a little bit about the uh, 118th Congress because. As we know, uh, Republicans are going to – Republicans are in disarray, by the way, but they're going to be taking over the House here shortly. I'm not even sure if they've got a speaker that they're going to be able to name. It looks kind of like a, a, a few people might be pulling the strings for the rest of the Republican Congress, and meanwhile they're going to be seating the chairs in the committees and and having the majority there. Uh, they might be trying to – up. Um, sort of sabotage the work that the Department of Justice is doing in investigations they they're going to definitely try to sabotage us at every step of the way what what does it look like in the 118th Congress for Democrats? How are you going to govern from the minority?
1: Well I, I predict that the self-sabotage of an ungovernable Republican majority will all but guarantee that Democrats take back the house in 2024 uh, when you have Republicans like George Santos, one can clearly see a path uh, to regaining power in 2024. I'm also skeptical that Kevin McCarthy can secure the votes to become speaker. I mean, the far right is full of hostage-takers who are intent on decapitating their own leadership. Um, and so we're going to serve as the resistance to the extremes and excesses of the Republican Party. But we also can rely on the Republican Party to self-destruct on itself. Uh what I expect from the 118 Congress is an endless dream of vindictive impeachment proceeding particularly aimed at secretary mayorkas um, there's a crusade against the homeland security secretary uh i predict frivolous hearing on on hunter biden and and the border and 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 wokeness and uh, you know one party in america is committed to governing the other party is committed to grandstanding and we're going to have two years of grandstanding rather than governing.
0: Yeah, and I am 100 percent with you. I've been saying this from from the from the jump since since we had the midterm elections. They are going to eat themselves alive uh, with all of the shenanigans that are going to take place over the next two years. The voters made it clear in the midterm elections that that is not what they were interested in. Right. They were interested in governing and getting things done for the American people, Uh, like your housing voucher, um, housing vouchers for all legislation, not interested in like weird, you know, political election denial, you know, victimhood, you know, whatever they're going to be doing over the next two years. And I'm with you. I say, let's just watch it because. And and let it happen because I think that that will guarantee, like you said, that we'll get the house back in 2024. Well, you're about off to vote on the uh, omnibus package that just passed the Senate, so uh, we should probably let you go. Do do you want to talk a little bit at all about the the, you know anything about the omnibus bill? You're happy about Um, the things that didn't make it in that you wish had made it in.
1: There are legitimate concerns about the military (laughs) industrial complex, which has grown to levels that are unprecedented. But setting aside defense spending. Uh, the omnibus makes public investments on a scale that we have rarely seen in recent memory. Uh, $800 billion in non-defense spending, uh, an increase of $68 billion, 5.3%. Uh, and so we're bolstering funding for mental health. We're actually going to invest a half a billion dollars in the new mental health 988 hotline uh, in in the in the next budget. Uh, we're investing in veteran health care over $100 billion in veteran health care. We're investing both in K-12 education and higher education, Title I for disadvantaged students in K-12 education and Pell Grants for disadvantaged students in higher education. Uh, We're enhancing enforcement. We're increasing the budget of the National Labor Relations Board for the first time since 2010. Uh, We're enhancing, we're investing about $430 million in the Federal Trade Commission so that it could be more aggressive when it comes to consumer protection and antitrust. Uh, so the omnibus contains like genuinely progressive priorities that are gonna move the country forward. And thankfully we managed to pass it before the hostage takers um, gain control of the house.
0: Yeah, and so many things in there too, the Afghan SIV yep. program, DOJ funding increase, yep. Electoral Count Act reform, so and, many things and, we had and, to
1: do. And I, I happen to, I happen to be Puerto Rican. Uh, the the survival and the success of the island matters enormously to me, and the budget includes a billion dollars for the electric grid in Puerto Rico.
0: Absolutely. Long overdue. Yeah. Uh, so, so glad that we got that done. Thank you so much for your time today. Uh, everybody, you can follow him on Twitter. You can follow everything that he's doing. I retweet him a lot uh, on Twitter uh, as well. Uh, Congressman Richie Torres, thank you for your time today.
1: It was a pleasure. Take care
0: everybody stick around we'll be right back with the good news everybody welcome back it's time for the good news who
1: likes good news everyone then good news everyone
0: near good news, good news good news and if you have any good news confessions corrections anything please from the holiday santa letters woobie stories uh dogs and cats and other little beasties in in holiday gear or any costume really if you have baby photos santa pictures whatever you want to send to us please send it to us at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact uh i mean i'm exceedingly happy today so I, i'm very excited about this good news First of all, from anonymous pronouns she and her, I'm answering the call for letters to Santa. Yes! My husband and I began preparing for a move across the country last month, Arizona to Maryland. That is a big move. While trying to organize and purge our stuff, I found items from my grandmother I didn't realize I had. Contained among these papers was a letter she wrote to Santa at the age of eight on December 7th in 1918. I've attached a photo of the letter. Here's what she wrote. Quote, I am writing a few lines to let you know what I want for Christmas. I would like very much to have a book of paper dolls. Verna and I will use it together. We would like a pair of shoes, too, and a box of candy. I would like a book of Louise Alcott.
2: Oh, my goodness. A
0: box of crayons and a drawing book and a pair of mittens. Oh, my God.
2: These are all very reasonable asks. 1918.
0: I am amazed and so grateful to have uncovered such a wonderful family treasure. My husband and I have since made the five-day drive across the country with our four cats. Oh, man, much respect. Jesus. Godspeed. (laughs) Much to my surprise, my cats handled the trip like superstars. Here they are chillaxing at one of our stops on the road. There's the letter. Look at that. I mean, that's unbelievable. 1918. Beautiful penmanship.
2: So sweet. Look at all these kitties. Hi, buddies. That's a lot of kitties.
0: Oh, we got a couple of tuxies, a void. Oh, this Oh, incredible. Well, congratulations oh, on thank the you. move. Yeah.
2: Yes. Thank you for sharing that with us. All right. This is from Alex, Pronounce he and him. High BQs. Early this year, after two years of un and underemployment, I was in the deepest depression of my life. For whatever reason, I picked up cheap stylus and a free drawing app and started making digital art. It's the first time since probably middle school that I've permitted myself to express my creativity for my own sake, and it's turned into a passion and therapy that helps me every day. This year, I've drawn satirical anti-capitalist animals, designed skull t-shirts and just this week printed my art to give to friends and family's presents here are a few examples i hope you enjoy them thank you for all that you do i'm wishing you and yours a wonderful holiday season and a bright new year these are awesome (laughs) this turtle
0: yes these are gold dicks and then you look on his shell and it's got gold dicks everywhere.
2: that's hysterical
0: oh that brick brick building and window is amazing
2: these are really cool alex
0: yeah and i love how the yellow and the cross and like it's almost like a venn diagram of stripes totally and, and and checkerboards amazing thank you so much for that alex that's awesome i love this for you i love this next up from kathy pronouns she and her i wanted to share our unusual quote unquote christmas tree my son used to play the upright bass he doesn't but we still have the bass For the past five years, it's been our Christmas base because it's the size of a tree and it takes up the same amount of space in my living room. (laughs) (laughs) It's
2: a space for the base.
0: Also included pet tax of our beloved 13 and a half year old rescue mutt. We've had him since he was two. He's the best foot warmer dog I've ever known. The song statue was from my grandparents house. They had Jack Russell terriers and a doorstop to match. Let's see this. I love that Christmas base. That's such a great idea.
2: And it's all about that base. About mm-hmm. that bass. No trouble.
0: Look at that doggy doorstop. Cute. Thank you for that.
2: Love it. Alright, this is from Patty Pronoun She and Her. Hello, Beans Queens. These are this year's Xmas decorations. My tree is decorated with the Starbucks barista's bears. Most were collected by my wife's late ex wife, who was also one of my best friends. I love that. Next, we have what we'd like to call the sad little drunk tree, (laughs) which sits by the bar. (laughs) And finally, Christmas in the Butterfly Garden, wishing you and the Leguminati the happiest of holidays and a wonderful new year filled with many indictments and convictions. I'm telling you, 2023, the year of accountability. Write it down. I love this tree.
0: Okay. The drunk tree is the best.
2: It is fantastic. I mean, they're
0: both beautiful and incredible, but I love the drunk tree. I have a, I just have a little I have a little place in my heart for the, the drunk tree by the bar. The booze shakers. I love it. <laughs> Look at this Oh, it's tiny. Oh, it's cute. Yeah, it is. Thank you so much for sending that in. I love looking at holiday decor. Next up from Anonymous Pronouns, he and him. Hello, AG, DG, and the whole Beans team. I'm writing this while snuggling up with my three-year-old while my better half is holding our sleeping infant. We were visiting my mom, who moved to Italy near Lucca during COVID, and had never met her youngest grandchild. It's been wonderful seeing the love she gets to hold them both. A bit of relevant history from the tiny town we visited yesterday. They are located at the Mountain Pass, which is the shortest distance from the invaders from the north or west. Luca helped support this town with troops and materials for centuries as they held back every threat. This story... From the past helped me better understand what Zelensky was talking about when he said our support for Ukraine is being an investment in a more secure world. And I just have to break in here and say that speech that Zelensky gave to the Joint Session of Congress last night just had me in tears. Yeah. said this isn't charity. This is an investment in a secure world and democracy. And and when they exchanged the flags, um Oh I know. It was just absolutely a stunning, stunning speech. Uh everybody was standing up and applauding and giving standing ovations, I think except for Lauren Boebert. Everyone except Dick
2: Face, Boebert, and Matt
0: Gates, yeah. But you know what? Fuck them, whatever. Why did they even come, Nazis? Um yeah. just a brilliant, brilliant speech, uh from just an incredible hero. Um and now we'll go back here. Uh to back to Anonymous's um Submission. My favorite letter to Santa goes like this. He says, Dear
2: Santa, please define good. (laughs) Happy holidays. Thank you so much. I love that. All right. This is from Anonymous. No pronouns on this one. I would like to submit a seasonal misheard song lyrics. First, however, a bit of relevant background information. I'm currently an administrator with a small school district in northwestern Pennsylvania. The small town that our district serves is sadly mostly red voters. Sorry to sound judgy, but there's a huge amount of poverty here. And that truly is not. uh, And they truly do not understand what the Republicans stand for with regards to economic and social policies. It saddens me when people vote against programs and people that could help. However, listening to the beans on the daily commute really puts my head in the right space to get on with my day. Mm-hmm. I have even shared the podcast with some like-minded colleagues, which is fun. Anyhow, I was in the classroom for over 15 years. I first taught K-3, through learning support, which I loved, and then I moved to first grade, then to second grade, and finally on to fifth grade. I truly enjoyed all of them. A mentor once told me, they are all good days. Some days are just better than others. Mm-hmm. Now, honestly, he was so right. Aside from the amazing, aha, academic moments that I got to experience, one of my favorite things about teaching was the adorable, sometimes inappropriate, but often hysterical, super fun things kids say. (laughs) This is one of the things I miss about being in the classroom. This brings me back to my song lyrics. The other day, I was in a kindergarten classroom, and they were doing activities singing along to the 12 days of Christmas, which was playing quietly in the background. When they came to the chorus, Several loudly bellowed with feeling five onion rings (laughs) (laughs) instead of five golden rings and went along with the remainder of the chorus, not missing a beat. It was all I could do to keep a straight face. Now the pictures I am sharing are unrelated to my work, but I want to share them as additional good news. I'm so damn proud of these humans. I'm attaching pictures of my daughter, her fiance and their giant rabbit, Basil, Could be Basil Not sure Another one of my That was my comment I'm sure you know The name of the rabbit (laughs) Another one Another one of my son His wife My bonus daughter oh, And their rescue dog Amos As well as a picture Of my big sweet cat Helping me plan lessons While on remote instruction During the pandemic Thank you so much For all you do To keep so many of us Not only informed But relatively sane as well Merry Christmas Happy Hanukkah And have a wonderful New year Holy shit (laughs) balls That is big a giant rabbit. Rabbit. <laughs> oh my god. Oh His my god. One ear is as big as her whole head. That's amazing.
0: I didn't even know. I bet Basil is very soft. Oh
2: my god, what adorable.
0: Oh, there's the bonus daughter with the doggo in the sun. So, so sweet. And a beautiful orange kitty, long haired, helping with some fractions. <laughs> multiplying fractions
2: <laughs> so so good
0: oh, thank you so much for sharing that and thank you for your service as a teacher and an educator um especially in these rural towns that's where we need you the most you know 100 percent. thank you all so much for the wonderful good news on the last show of the year uh, i will be in patrons ears on and off at no particular time over the next week uh, as news happens as needed prn right as they say in the medical biz Um, and, um, I really appreciate, uh, Dana, I just wanted to say, I appreciate you and everything that you've done and and helped with and lent your voice to, uh, not only with this show over the last year, but with everything that you do, all the activism, the human rights campaign, the galas, uh, all the fundraising that you do. It's just, I'm so honored to have you in, in my life. And I just wanted to know that I'm very grateful.
2: Thank you, my dear friend. You got me teary. And <clears throat> I feel like that was your ploy. Um, I want to say the same, I, I, you know, this beans family and I'll get to you at the end cause th- that way I don't get all silly. Um, the listeners, you all have been incredible. And I've meet so many of you at the galas and at the live comedy shows, which I'll be doing more of in 2023. So please know that I'll be going on tour more next year when it comes to my long shows. I had to take some time to make sure that the, uh, pandemic was going to be uh, we could actually get through it and not, you know, get sick and have to cancel everything. Um thank you for what you said about the work that I do. It means the world to me, but this podcast and you um have become a big part of my life and you become a dear friend. And see this is what I'm getting choked up. There was um some hard stuff in 2022 and you and some of the listeners, but you in particular have always been an incredible sounding board for me. So those of you who have gotten to meet AG in person know this. You are a mensch, as they say, in the Jewish uh, tradition of just an incredible human. And I'm grateful to, to call you friends. So thank you for being a, a sounding board and a, a safe ear for me when I needed it because we all need it. Sometimes you guys just don't hear it on the podcast. She gets to hear everything before we start recording and everything when we hit stop and you're just awesome. So thank you. I'm so grateful for Sarah for introducing us and, um, I will be eternally grateful. And I look forward to 2023 with you cause it's going to be a good one. And it, it's been an honor, my friend. Um,
0: seriously. And, and, and we're talking like we're not going to see each other next week.
2: Uh, I mean, we're totally going to see each
0: other yeah. over the weekend, but still, but we'll be back on January 2nd in everybody's
2: ears. So... Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Until then. Happy holidays. Yes. And a happy new year, everyone. We won't talk to you before then. Happy fucking new year. Be safe. Celebrate something. I like to literally either burn or get rid of all the bad stuff from 2022 and then write down some of the things that you want for the new year. Put them away safely somewhere so you can revisit them at the end of next year and, and see how much you were able to manifest in this world because trust me, your thoughts are power. So make sure whatever you're thinking and whatever you're putting into that head of yours is positive stuff because it matters it really matters yeah and we
0: have a a Venus Uranus trine going through this transition to the new year which means prosperity and love and um, all good things coming to people so I'm very excited about the new year everyone be safe have a happy holiday A, a, a splendid new year until then please take care of yourselves take care of each other take care of the planet take care of your mental health vote blue over Q and take everyone with you I've been A.G. and I've been D.G. MSW Media.